Hey everybody, thanks a million for tuning in to the second episode of the Dan Kill Wellness Project Podcast. This is Dan. I am passionate about wellness and what every individual does to promote their own wellness. I'm currently training to be a psychotherapist in Dublin Business School and I've been on my own wellness journey for about four years now. Similar to Brandon over at Humans of New York, I started this podcast so that I could talk to ordinary people who are doing extraordinary things. I believe that everybody, no matter who they are or what they've been through, has a story to tell. And I want to hear it and I want to share it with you guys as well and get feedback. My only goal here is that you will hopefully take something away from listening that will encourage you to take steps towards your own greatness while enjoying the meaningful conversations and laughing along with me and my guests. Today's guest is Miss Erin Larvik. She is an entrepreneur and mother of three. She's the founder and creator of Depth through ErinLarvik.com. She provides personal coaching and development for men and women who seek meaning and self-acceptance. And she specializes in disordered eating and behavioral addiction recovery. And I am so absolutely proud to have her on the show today because she has been one of the most important people that I have ever met in my life in terms of developing my own wellness. So yeah, thanks for tuning in. I can't wait to get the feedback on what you guys listen to today. And without further ado, on with the show. Erin, hi, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on to the second episode of, of the podcast. I'm, so, I'm oh. just so glad that you're here. Goodness, thank you for having me. It's, my, my pleasure. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah. So, um, as you know, we the podcast is all about wellness and... I suppose the most important thing for the listeners to know is that it's so subjective. Each and every person who is going to be listening in, and hopefully if they listen to the last one, will know that this is not a platform from which me or my guests are telling people what they have to do. That's their deal. That's their bag. What I'm hoping that the podcast will bring to people is tips and tricks you know some guests people relate to some guests maybe not so much but i'm hoping that with every podcast it will just get people thinking about what they can do what action they can take on a daily basis hopefully to just increase their wellness so to give a bit of context to us talking here today erin how did we meet uh well we met in may of 2013 if I remember correctly. Is that the right year? It's been forever. Yeah, I, got, I kind of lost yeah. a year when I was talking to Stephen, <laughs> but yes, it is actually uh, nearly three years to the day. Uh, okay. Uh, in May of 2013, I uh, reached out to Meg Brown, who is Queen Fitbitch at Weight Loss Rebels, and she had, she had posted... Um, on her Facebook page, she was looking for ambassadors for her program. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I had followed Meg for a few a few months, I think. Uh, and it, it was a really critical juncture in my life because right around that time, I had I was struggling with anorexia and bulimia, and I was severely depressed. I was going through divorce. And I knew that I had a choice to make. I needed help or I needed rehab. And I reached out to Meg and applied as an ambassador um, and then was blessed with the position as ambassador for Meg. And you were as well blessed with 
Yeah, it was. As Hembla has ambassador for me. So yeah. you and I have known each other now for <clears throat> for three whole years. Yeah. And I would say that the healing and growth that I found as an ambassador for Meg, a lot of it was because of her program and, and the structure of her program, but mm-hmm. I really do attribute most of the healing that I've been through to you. Um, you were intelligent enough to set up a Facebook private Facebook group with all of us ambassadors and the amount of healing that we found inside that closed support group was astronomical. Yeah, I still... I, I, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with you. Um, I think, at, I mean, nobody reaches out to be an ambassador on such a public forum. You know, I think at that stage, Meg had, well, Fitbitch and Meg had um, about 60,000 people on her page and for all five of us who signed up at that stage none of us were in a good place we wanted drastic change and i could not agree agree with you more it was and i said this to Stephen last week it was the seminal moment in my journey towards wellness yeah mine you know? too you know it really and... and you know when i signed up when i signed up as an ambassador uh or I sent in my application. I tried to write the email to her probably five times. Mm, And finally I said, you know what, just write it and get it over with. And when I heard back from her, the feeling of, it was like, this is the answer. Mm. You just have to do it. This is going to be the thing that changes you. This is going to be your roadmap to being better and that you don't feel lost anymore. And it really just granulated in that group that Mm. uh, it was, it was this place of pure acceptance and no judgment. And, you know, on, uh, in my work since that point, I have come to appreciate and understand the importance of support. Mm. I was very independent. I didn't want any help. Pocket, I can do it myself. <laughs> I don't need any help. Uh, I really think we do. Yeah. I really think we do. And, you know, the, the voices in our head tell us, that no one can ever understand what you're going through. You are so broken and disgusting. If anybody knew the truth about you, they would hate you forever. Mm. And it's not true. And when you find people that really understand what you're going through and love you anyways, mm. it's a game changer. Yeah. Totally, uh, totally. I would wa- absolutely. And I, I would wager that many people who are listening to the podcast right now are thinking god i can never reach out to people they wouldn't understand how can i expect somebody to have the courage to help me when you know i have such a negative image of myself right and we have both been there at various times in our lives but particularly over the past three years i mean this journey's been up and down for me so far and i haven't i haven't really find sorry i haven't really found my I suppose my groove until this year, you know, today is day 118 in a row for me and something, and I, you heard me talk to Obar last week about the, the time I proposed to my lady and that was my motivation. So would you, would you agree that in order for somebody to, I suppose, get on their wellness path, they have to have a strong motivator? Oh yeah. But that doesn't just... It doesn't just happen, though. You have to actually go and search for it, right? Find it, right. I think it's Einstein that said, 
Maybe it was Swindle. I'm sorry, I don't remember. Somebody <laughs> said, um, the two most powerful days in a man's life are the day he's born and the day he figures out why. Mm. And that has resonated with me from the moment I heard it. Yeah. Why are you here? Why are you here? Why it's are not, you? Why are you here? Am I here? Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> uh, don't give me that opportunity i'm gonna take it i believe that i am here well okay i have to give you a little backstory first um i am what i would consider to be a fairly masculine energy mm. i am i am have just recently come to accept the fact that i'm a girl uh i was raised as my father's firstborn son mm. uh you know, digging in the dirt and changing tires and all of that stuff. It was very difficult for me to find my identity because I did not fit in with the boys because I'm a girl and I didn't fit in with the girls because I wasn't a girl. Mm. So it wasn't, I grew up feeling like I was a mistake. I grew up feeling like God lost a bet or he and Satan were duking it out like they did with Job and I was just meant to suffer through in the middle. Uh, and it wasn't until I got older and really identified uh, I identified with my reality. It wasn't until I accepted my reality that I could wear it like armor instead of shouldering it like a burden. Mm. I recognized that. There are so many women who struggle with feelings of inadequacy and weakness and that all of the things that about me that I felt made me weird, uh, most women need that. Yeah. Most women need, we don't, we're, we were raised, I was raised anyways in the generation that I was raised in with Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty, where the girl just stands there, looks skinny and pretty, and waits for a guy to show up on a horse to rescue her. And I never, that never resonated with me. Mm. Really, we can save ourselves. And most women don't believe that. What about men? Do you, are you specifically focusing in on women because they are the majority of people you interact <clears throat> with? Or do you think no. that women and men have a big... A, a much different challenge in that regard that's a really good question i i do know that i have focused more on women primarily because my demographic the, the group of people that i tend to resonate with are female mm. so it was more of a business decision to to focus on the female aspect of things than than an exclusionary one. I'm not intending to yeah. exclude men at all. Um, I do believe that there are men who, I believe that humans in general need to understand and accept the fact that everything that you need to be the strongest, most powerful version of what you are, you already have. Yeah. Yes. You just have to accept it mm. and then run with it uh, and not be afraid to screw it up because you're going to screw it up. We always do. We mess up. Hmm. You have to so, be willing to forgive yourself and keep going. Yeah, so you have just basically stated a little nugget of information that might 
fly over people's heads. I know it certainly flew over my massive head. <laughs> and I mean that in a physical sense, not in that I think I'm beautiful, um, which I do now, which is great as well, by the way. But I, dig- I digress, I digress. Yes. You have said something just there now, which I think is so important for people listening to this podcast. And that is everything that you need to have the life that you want to have to be as well as you want to be to be as happy as you want to be you already have it yes so would you be able to kind of expand on that and i know when you said it you pointed at your heart Mm. just for the listeners who don't have the privilege that i do of looking at you at the (laughs) moment (laughs) um but you pointed at your heart and actually before you did it i pointed towards my chest as well as i knew you were going to say everything we have is inside us so could you just expand on that for the listeners in terms of i know there's people screaming at this podcast now saying bullshit how is that possible yeah i'm not there yet so oh right and you know just because you're not there yet doesn't mean it's it isn't there it doesn't mean you don't have uh yeah the well and i'll speak to my journey specifically um about the same time that I hooked up with Meg and became an ambassador, I also found a therapist and a coach, hmm. uh, somebody to mentor me and help me bring all the pieces of my life together. And the first couple exercises that I went through, he had me write down all the things that I felt I had failed at, write down all the things you suck at. And I thought, buddy, you're going to need a lot of pieces of paper because... <laughs> I have a list. I can list to you every time in my life that I've failed from the time that I was six until at the time I was 30-something-ish. Sorry, and... sorry, excuse me. Sorry, can I just stop you there? You could remember every single time from for 24 years. Yes. I have an eidetic memory. Yes. Oh, wow. I yeah. did not know that. Yeah. There, there you go. Yeah, I remember weird, weird <clears throat> Um. Yeah, so I could remember all of the times that I screwed up, and I kept this list in my head. It was really easy for me to remember that. So I wrote all of those things down, and the next exercise that he had me go through was he said, okay, now for every single item on that list, you need to write down how that made you better. And I thought, uh, I don't That's. I wish that I had made my first list smaller because that's not work. <laughs> But really, he it, it forced me to reframe the failures that I already had. And as we worked through this process, I created um, what I call a vision. He called it a vision board, but I called it, um, you know, how you put your uh, trophies and stuff up on the mantle in yeah. your house. <clears throat> a lot of the successes that I've had in my life, there's no trophy for them. So I created a big piece, a board inside of a frame, and I started drawing and coloring and pinning and putting photographs up for all of this as a visual representation of all the things that I had succeeded with. And I realized as I looked at this board, the successes that I've had in my life that have created, created me into the person that I am. It's so easy to look past those because we're too busy looking at how we screwed up 
Yeah. And and I realized, you know, I've got management experience, a lot of management experience. Um, I studied biochemistry in college. I had three kids with now through natural childbirth, which I didn't think was a big deal until we went through this process. Um, I have owned three businesses in my life. One of them was in college and I helped pay for college. Um, didn't seem like a big deal, but yeah. as we start to pull out all of these things in our lives that don't seem like a big deal, it really is a pretty big deal. It creates, yeah. you know, the, the entity that we are as human beings is created through our experience and perspective and they are, you cannot duplicate those. There's yeah. only one of who you are, you know, and it, the other thing that I realized was that very often the parts of us that make us most unique and special, we overlook because they come easy to us. Yeah. We're a little bit masochistic. We listen yeah. to this voice in our head that chews us to pieces on a regular basis and we become a little masochistic. We don't realize that there exists greatness without suffering also that there are good things inside of us that we don't have to suffer in order for them to be valuable that's, you know, after... that's such an important point right um just to give you a bit of context to my recent life experience um i as you know i'm training to be a psychotherapist myself and you know my future is in therapy and life coaching and that type of thing um but in my own personal therapy you know i've i've had i have to go every week basically mm. in line with the course requirements but like i could right. not live without it now right but to relate it to what you were just saying i, I haven't really had a lot of things to bring to therapy that have been really negatively impacting my life because of this process that I've been doing. Mm -hmm. And my, my therapist, he's an amazing therapist. His name is Sean Daly. And he said to me, you're waiting for the ax to fall, aren't you? And I said, yes. Oh. And it was one of those moments in therapy. And I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this podcast can relate. Um, where you, you're kind of stopped in your tracks by, just this simple sentence that the therapist oh. says, and that's why they do what they do, and they're amazing. Yeah. Um, and he said, you're waiting for the axe to fall. And I said, yeah, I can't actually be enjoying life now. No, 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 no. You know, you got this, as you said, the masochistic devil, whatever, whoever's listening has that voice in their head, and they have a visual representation of what it is. It's that negative, focused um, well, and, you know, voice it's interesting. that runs you down, you know? Yeah, there's this, I just had this conversation with a client the other day that um, we are okay sharing fear, or I'm sorry, we're okay sharing vulnerability with other people. You know, we practice vulnerability. And so in order to have, I mean, and, and the whole concept of my website and the whole concept of my program is to work through vulnerability to establish depth in your relationships so that you have meaningful relationships, whether the relationship is with yourself or with another person. You, a, a relationship is only as deep as you are yourself. Yeah. So we must be deep people to have deep relationships and we develop this. We develop that through vulnerability and being open and honest with one another. Um, so I was talking to this woman and I said, you need to share 
when you feel something you need to share with your significant other, you need to be honest about how you feel about things. We discovered that it's very easy to share when we're upset. You upset me, I'm hurt, my feelings are hurt. It's very, very easy to share when we're angry. I am so angry with you, you're pissing me off, get out of my face. It is very, very difficult to share when we're afraid. Yeah. Because fear, the most fear role of all of our emotions, is a defense mechanism. It is the last ditch defense mechanism. And when we're afraid, we put our dukes up. Mm. The second that we let our guard down and we choose to not be afraid anymore, it's the purest form of vulnerability that we have. And mm -hmm. I cannot think of one person who hasn't had their face bitch slapped when they've chosen to be vulnerable. Yeah. We've trained ourselves to keep our fists up in defense against life and what might happen. Yeah. It's the way our brains work. So you're right that, you know, we, we have to be, we have to choose. We have to choose which voice to listen to. We have to choose, uh, you know, I tell my kids, bravery doesn't mean you aren't afraid. It just means that you do it anyways. <laughs> You're going to be afraid. That. You're going to be afraid. Accept yeah. fear. Accept that it's going to be present yeah. in your life and decide to move past it and through it yeah. and around it. And put your hands down. And if life decides to slap you in the face, then so be it. It's not mm. going to slow you down. Just keep going. So just, just, so, the list, just so the listeners know my head is i don't know if you've seen the exorcist you know the exorcist movie <laughs> yes. my yes. head is literally spinning and spinning with questions for you right now because i think you've touched on so many critical points okay there. and actually listeners erin lorovic is so intuitive that she actually predicted oh. the question i was going to ask her <laughs> before, before i got to feckin well ask it the, the scamp so listen the next question was actually to tell me about depth and you went into it into the synopsis of how you begin with your clients is that correct um like how how, how the structure kind of goes in terms of reaching depth like how did depth come about oh that's want the listeners to know. yeah i like that question well actually, i love i love the name of it you know and it's, you. it's so Thank you. Uh, actually, the program came to fruition in my mind when I volunteered with my kids at the preschool. Mm -hmm. um, the teachers, they it's a private preschool, so the teachers will ask the parents to sit in if one of the teachers has a doctor's appointment or something like that. So I was sitting in, to, in this preschool class, and the teacher was walking the kids through their daily routine. And I... My, I kept, I interjected a few times because I was asking the kids questions. Like mm. the, the teacher asked the little girl to hold up some leaves. And then she said, Hey, show us your leaves. And the girl did. And then the girl went and sat back down. And I had to ask her where did the, what kind of tree did that come from? Do you know what tree that came from? I mean, I was seeing all of these teachable moments, yeah. but that wasn't what they were there for. And I left that thinking, what a brainless waste of time not <laughs> <to do. laughs> I'm so glad I paid for my kids to go to the school. But 
I recognized that it, it, it illuminated for me the fact I have, I have three kids and not to toot my horn or theirs, they are wickedly intelligent. And it took me a long time. This was the first eye-opening experience for me to realize they are intelligent because I have trained them to be that way. Hmm. Um, as parents, we're not supposed to take credit when our kids are smart. Oh, but really? I, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, I it's, always, all, it's all ahead of me, I think. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you're just, you take the kids you end up with. But I was thinking about those those other kids that were in that class. And I was thinking that, okay, so how do you get parents to interact with their kids more on a, on a deeper level so that the kids are more excited about learning? Because I was, I was looking at all these little faces that were looking at me. Hmm. More than half of them were blank. Yeah. And I thought... Okay, so what makes my kid different than this kid? And how do you tell a parent, like, let's talk to the parents about getting their kids passionate for learning. And, and, and how do you teach kids about learning? And then, you know, I um, went through some pretty nasty stuff when I was a kid. From the age of six to eight, I was sexually molested, um, sexually abused. And I was thinking to myself that... I read online somewhere that kids are now sexualized at age seven, meaning that they come into preschool with the basic idea of sex, although a warped one, because parents don't actually talk to their kids about sex at that age. And I was thinking that in order to get ahead of the curve, we should really start basic sexual education with our kids at ages six, seven, and eight. Mm. Just the biology of it. You don't have yeah. to go into the gross details, yeah. but... Uh, we're se we're seeing the same thing here, actually. Right, right, and that, that I mean, it's the it's it's the web, you know. I mean, it's yeah, and I know accessibility your, and yeah. With your job, you probably see a lot of yeah, I do, but I mean, in general, you know, I mean, the availability of the information is just. I mean, oh, how yes. how do you get kids away from technology? You just can't. No, you can't. So what you have to do is educate parents, and you have to get them to educate their kids, and that this needs to be a bonding experience because the cult, like you said. Um, in the very beginning, you said that one person's journey is not going to be the same as another person's mm. journey. So the way one parent views sex and how they teach their kid is going to be different than another. Mm. And I thought, well, why don't we have a basic, basic information so that a parent can choose how they teach it to their child, but that all the kids are getting the right information. I use yeah. the analogy of a sponge that if you fill a sponge full of clean water and then you toss the sponge in dirty dishwater, it's going to stay relatively clean. Yeah. It's full of good stuff. It might get dirty on the outside, but it's full of good stuff. If you throw a sponge that is thirsting for something into dirty dishwater, it's going to soak up whatever's in there, which is mm. gross. So our kids need to be filled with the right stuff before we move them on to something else. And then I was thinking to myself, how do you get parents to teach their kids this? Because the parents, the kids who really, really need the information have parents who will not teach them. Yeah. It's heartbreaking and ugly and painful to hear, but it's the truth. Some parents do not care. They don't care and they won't teach their kids. I, and then I, again, I got to thinking about, the correlation between the parents who won't teach and the kids who need to learn and those kids that are sitting there in the classroom with these blank stares in our faces. And it occurred to me the difference between 
the kids that I've been blessed with and my relationship with them and these other kids who are thirsting for knowledge and are learning very quickly to just stop paying attention yeah. um, is depth. Depth wow. is the difference. The relationship between, oh gosh, I think in the, on the, in the blog post that I wrote about it, yeah. depth is what you feel when you are cowering in a foxhole next to your fellow soldier while there's bombs blowing up over your head. The person that is sitting next to you, you share something that cannot be described. Um, King Kong and, gosh, I think Marianne is her name. The girl that he held on to while he was... Yeah, it is, it is. Yeah, so King Kong and, and that, that whole, that movie, it, it's not, it's, it's deeper than love. It's something different. Mm. I mean, there's people that say they love ice cream. And I do love me some ice cream, but that's not depth. That's something different. Yeah. Depth is the substance that all great relationships are built on. Yeah. Depth with ourselves is what depth with ourselves is. Sorry, my phone went off. That's okay. Give me a second. People like that we're real people, I think. <laughs> you know, people respond to the realness and everybody's phone goes off at the worst possible time when they're explaining <laughs> when they're explaining how their life's work is coming together. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so depth is depth is what it is that that everything meaningful in our lives that we have is built on that. Yeah. Depth with our personal selves. Well, that's what you've just found. Yeah. On this streak of of success that you've had, and as you're building yourself up into the man you want to be, mm. do not get there without a deep understanding of who you are and what you want. Exactly, and I mean that's it's a it's a perfect place for me to come in and explain how my training, my initial training. I'm just coming. I'm two weeks away from my last day of my first year as a trainee psychotherapist and I guess a big part of that training was how to deal with stress mm. um, and I know I discussed this with Stephen last week as well it's it's about awareness of the self awareness okay. of the triggers how to how to keep yourself in the parasympathetic nervous system you know as opposed to the simple as opposed to the fight and flight system what are your triggers how can you notice when you're feeling anxiety and i mean that's how it starts off in the training but the crucial point that i can relate to what you've just said is it's awareness of the self you have to start with yourself nothing else gets better unless you address depth within yourself and right. create that awareness so that I mean, to, it's a bit of a crude analogy, but it's it's the whole filling your cup up that I've gone on about on my page. You know, let your cup overflow. If you don't fill your own cup up, then you're not going to be able to meet the needs of people who need you. I mean, how can you expect to do that if you're not meeting your own needs? Right. So well, that... and, and the depth part of it is knowing exactly what it is that fills your cup. You have uh -huh. to know because yeah. you can't, I mean, and like you said, what works for one person won't work for another. Hmm. Um, you have to know, am I an introvert or am I an extrovert? Do I need hmm. personal time or do I need other people around me? Um, do I need to exercise? And if I do, do, is a walk sufficient or do I have to hit, hit the heavy weights? Yeah. How you fill that up 
has mm-hmm. to be you. You. It's your answer. Your it's answer. Your, it's your depth, right? Yeah, it's your. And you cannot get that without self-awareness. No, and, and it's 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 bandied about so much right this this term of self-awareness and kind of positive thinking all that you know but what we're getting to the nub of right here is how does somebody get that awareness oh i i can answer that question fantastic the first thing you do is figure out how much of you is really you and how much of you is a U-shaped shell filled with other people? Wow. Because most of us, especially, and I'll speak specifically to women, most women have no idea who they are because they're too busy trying to make sure that they make everyone else happy. Hmm. You can't do both. Sometimes you can, by default, but you can't. You can live for yourself or you can live for somebody else. You can't do both. Yeah. And most of us, well, I mean, and I'll use diet and exercise as an example. They will wait, they'll read Facebook and they'll wait for the newest thing to come whizzing through their Facebook feed and they're like, ooh, that right there, that's my answer. And then they'll click on it and they'll buy it because they get these glamorous hopes of the result without consideration of the journey they want the result everybody wants the result but if that journey that you have to take to get from here to there does not fill you you will not do it and even if you do you will not sustain it it's not sustainable yeah you have to figure out what it is that fills you in the right way you have to figure out set aside the expectations other people have of you Set aside what it is that you were raised to believe. Set aside all of the things that other people need from you in order for them to feel happy. And then you pick and choose what you keep based on what fills you up. And then you move forward with that. And it is the reason that people don't do this is because it involves saying no. We don't like drawing boundaries because then we have to say no. Yeah. If I draw a boundary and then someone crosses it, I have to say, no, that's my boundary. You can't you're, you're putting that awkward. You're putting yourself in that situation that right. you don't want to be in, and even it, though it's going to be good for you. It is. They just don't want to have to say no. So they don't draw the boundary because they don't want to say no. Yeah, we have to draw these boundaries. You have to draw these boundaries. You have to learn how to say no. And you have to be okay with people not liking what you have to say. You have to be okay with people not liking you. And because people, we are live in a society where what other people think of us is supposed to be a big deal. It's supposed to matter. You're, you're, you need to make sure that you get likes on that Facebook post, because if you don't, you're totally worthless. And what about the shares? Shares. Don't be shared my stuff. <laughs> this is pure gold. And you know, as I've been going through, I, I, as I've had my Facebook page for three years, um, you know, which in and of itself is a journey, right? Like when we first started oh, yeah. and people are, oh my gosh, somebody unliked my page. And it's just, this <laughs> um, we, I realized that there, there is really easy stuff that you can post that everybody likes kittens trying to dive into paper sacks. People love that stuff. Yeah. And then there's the stuff that make people leave in swarms. 
I support the Second Amendment of the United States of America. Hmm. <laughs> Bacon and guns, that's what America's all about, right? So <clears throat> there are these there's these two extremes. Yeah. And then there's the stuff, but the more truthful things are, the more convicting things are, the less popular that they become. Yeah. Nobody wants to do the work. Nobody wants to look at themselves and say, what do I have to give up in order for me to be the person that I want? Because there's grief involved in that. Sure. And so there's a period of loss. And mm -hmm. I just want to say to you right now, I would wager that the majority of people who went to the, they bothered their, their efforts to search for this podcast and mm. you know listen to us blabbering on for however long <laughs> it's going to be because this is not ending anytime soon i don't okay. mind telling you <laughs> unless you have to go somewhere nope. if i would wager that the majority of people have tweaked something in their brain that they're ready to do that work or at least begin the process of getting that work underway i mean nothing like this happens overnight as i said i'm on one day, day 118 of this project myself and the weightlifting and the good nutrition and you know been able to wear this tank top i'm wearing now is it's all an addendum to the real awareness that i've gained through the process and right. the journaling i've done it's an addendum like it's a happy kind of sidebar to the real work that's being done right you know? which, so... which is i mean you right now are sitting in the end zone What's the end zone? Oh, sorry, football. Oh, American, Amer football. American football. Yes, American football. You're sitting in the end zone. What you are reaping the benefits of running a hundred yards with yeah. dragging people behind you, <laughs> right? Yeah. And my my point is that in order for us to get to where you're at, uh, there is no immediate gratification to it. And you really have to find, you have to decide which, which slog are you willing to work through? Yeah. What grind are you willing to commit yourself to, to get the end result? Everybody yeah. wants the end result. But well, I would, I would argue that there is no end result. And no, I, would, it, I, see, I want to correct you on your end yes, zone yes, comment yes. for me because I'm in no end zone. I'm at the beginning right. zone or whatever. Right. Well, if that is the thing in American football, I have exactly. no clue about American no, football. No, no, that's, that's exactly right. I but, feel like I'm constantly starting because I don't want there to be a, a, a goal on the horizon other okay. than daily wellness. That, and that's I love it that you say that because that perspective is only found after you've achieved a certain amount of clarity yeah yeah that's fair enough because because you know when i when i first like i said i had to choose between help um or rehab yeah uh i the the thing that i told to my coach was um i need what i want from this is to stand at the edge of my potential with my toes hanging over the edge I want to see how far I can go so that life says, okay, that's it. There's the end. I needed to feel that. I needed to know that I had put everything in that I had to give and that I had gone as far as I could possibly go. And at the beginning, that's what I wanted. And I realized it, it took a while for me to realize what you just said, that there is no edge to that. 
because the second that you think that you've hit the edge, you, yeah. there's this whole other mountain to climb. Yeah. And then you take that one and then you take the next one and then you take the next one. And yeah. pretty soon you look back and you think that very first edge that you were tempted to find, the very first yeah. edge that you thought was the end was, like you said, it's the beginning. You realize yeah. that it is infinite possibility. <laughs> I used to think people were totally nuts when they would say, I can do anything. I would say, no, you can't. Mm. That's bullshit. No, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. I get it now. Yeah. You really can. You can absolutely do anything. Maybe not in the way that you were thinking, but the outcome, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, God, I, I really hope people are responding well to this because I just have so many, again, so many questions running around my head. I just want to step back to the, the kind of stepping, dipping the toes over analogy that you gave yeah and you know you talked about you know when you get to the edge and then there's there's another mountain to mm. climb um earlier on in this podcast you spoke about kind of that you were always focused on your failures mm -hmm. but through your work with your coach and you know your was it a life coach or a, a something like that was it also yes and a therapist and therapist yeah so when you manage to see that two separate people you... i needed a lot of help oh, okay it's <laughs> <laughs> very expensive <laughs> yeah. yeah um so but worth every penny of course still cheaper than rehab yeah still cheaper absolutely than rehab. um so the point i'm trying to make i guess is that you saw all these things between the age of six and 30 that you were able to remember mm. and what you did was you changed your perspective from them being things that absolutely were failures in your part to something that you learned from so i would wager if somebody can like because we choose how we react to every situation would you agree absolutely yes okay absolutely. so i i would wager that as we dip our toes over the line and we take the chance to do something that we hadn't done up to that point that those mountains are actually wide oceans of possibility so oh. they're not mountains anymore if you have the perspective that this is going to be challenging but i'm going to be so much better off for it then they, they the mountains crumble and what you're left with is a wide open plain a valley with grass and trees and flowers of possibility I would agree. I think that you know what I'm I think that the yeah, I hear what you're saying. I guess maybe the mountain analogy is difficult because it suggests a huge amount of effort that's going to be required for you to conquer that. But it may be a huge amount of effort. The well, point is that how the perception is before right. you take oh, it yes, changes, right. you I, know? And that's a crucial point, I think. I would agree with that. Um and I think that uh the thing that changes in us is not necessarily our capability, but the way that we see what's going on around us. Mm. I am the same physically. I'm the same person that I was three years ago. I still am 30-ish something older, and <laughs> I still have had three kids. And, you know, every day of my life is that's the youngest I'm ever going to be. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> so, I love that. And I, so, and I'm 
I, I am my physical potential. Um, and I hate to say this, this is really depressing, but my physical potential is consistently diminishing because I am getting older. Yeah. I am getting older. The thing that will never, ever change. And the thing that's cons the thing that will never diminish and is consistently growing is my mental capacity. Yeah. Um, and emotional. And, right. Yes. Oh, hugely. Yes. But the fact that I can look at that mountain now, it's really about how you see yourself more than how you see the mountain. <laughs> because I, I look at the mountain, the mountain hasn't changed. The challenge is still the same. But now when I look at myself, I know that I can climb that mountain and probably pretty quickly. Yeah. And let's get to the next. It, I Bring know it on. that I can do it. I know that I can do it, which change that changes everything. I mean, if, it doesn't matter what the challenge is. If you don't think you can, you are absolutely right. As Henry Ford said. Yeah. And actually, my my uh, therapist Sean Daly, who I mentioned earlier, had just a, it's so simple what he said to me the other day. But um, knowledge is the antidote to depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, if you don't know that you can do something, how are you supposed to do it? Right. If you don't know that you can feel better, how are you going to feel better? Right. But when you get that little bit of knowledge, it can knowledge is power. It's 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 so powerful right which is why and you gotta have, search for it absolutely yes and having a plan makes a big difference i mean i used to lay in bed completely anxious about so many things what if yes. there's a fire and the kids are asleep in the other room what if there's an earthquake what if there's a tsunami what i mean crazy crazy stuff like nobody yeah. should be awake thinking about stuff like that and the only way for me to feel better was to have a plan be prepared do some learning uh, yeah. and put those feelings to rest, you know, yeah. it's going to be yeah. okay. You are capable of dealing with it. If whatever happens, yes. happens. Yeah. Building up a knowledge base to, to conquer whatever it is that's in our way. And, you know, this brings up a good point. You know, we talk about depth and how to find depth and how to create a relationship with yourself. Um, the most important thing to remember and if I personally could ask anybody listening to this to remember only one thing that I said, this would be it. Nothing changes without action. Nothing. So sitting in bed wishing that things were different is great. You have to put action to it or it will never change. So when you say that knowledge is the antidote for anxiety and depression, get knowledge get is the operative word you have to get up you have to go you have to do something and gain something you have to put in the effort you have to put in some work maybe not super hard work i mean typing google everybody has google on their phone use it hey Aaron. something yeah um do you know what my next question was <laughs> and i'm gonna read it for the listeners word for word <laughs> Uh, no change without action dash why is that challenging to understand so <laughs> you did preempt that question but we didn't talk about why it is challenging to understand and we're going to come to it in a second okay but I just want to pause to get let people take their breath 
because we've talked about a lot of good stuff here right That's now. That's a lot of stuff. Um, if you've forgotten, guys, you're listening to episode two of the Dankill Wellness Project podcast, trying to help people gain some understanding into themselves so they can take the action that is required to increase your wellness even if it's just a small decision that you make every day. I want to give a massive shout out to my little sister, Maria O'Reilly. I was going to say Maria Kyo, but she's married to Kian O'Reilly. So Maria O'Reilly, who has just had her second boy, baby Evan. That's Louis's little brother. And I just want to give a massive shout out to her for her support to me on my page over the last three years. And she told me today that she, she said, hi, bro. I went and did a workout in between feeds today so i in my male ridiculousness thought that she was talking about herself so <laughs> she was talking about her four-month-old child of course she was so i want to give a big shout out to maria who is uh, working hard to get back in shape after having her second kid and she is one of my biggest biggest inspirations mm. um i also want to put to you erin mm -hmm. a comment from kristen bankston okay she wants you to know that you are her hero oh my goodness yeah and i actually am interested and i have written under here how, how do you react when people say stuff like that to you uh it like is what, what's going on inside you when you hear stuff like that is it hard is it easy is it it is the most humbling and humbling is the only word I can think of humanizing, mm -hmm. I suppose. Yeah, it is. I, I cannot think of any honor more precious than the admiration of another human being. Mm -hmm. It's, it's so humbling. It, it, I'm grateful, absolutely grateful. Um, but yeah, just very, it's very humbling. Yeah. It makes you, well, if, you know, there are two different ways to take it. One is, well, of course, because I'm totally hot shit and you, you wear that like with pride. And um, the other way to take it is to recognize that you re we really are you and i we really are nothing without the support that we get yeah exactly. like unless there's somebody there listening we're just talking to ourselves which basically I, I right basically yeah right. and i i mean i people have said that to me over the past three years and um <laughs> i'm only getting to the stage now where i find it humbling and i can take it with grace and you know respond with gratitude um, I was loath to mm. get those comments before it, because because you didn't believe it. I wasn't no exactly yep, of course I wasn't there so I'm like what what's wrong with this person like, yeah how can they even think this <laughs> like I'm doing my best but and then it does rabble blah 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 right. but actually what's going on is I don't I'm not my own hero. I don't love myself. I don't respect myself. Right. I'm doing all of these workouts and, you know, trying my best with food in spite of myself. Right. Not because of right. the love that I have for myself. Right. So, I mean, this might hit a chord, strike a chord with a lot of listeners here. You can't go on a wellness journey in spite of yourself. It's 
a dichotomy. Mm. It's an oxymoron. Well, and because... that brings us back to what we said is it, uh, it has to begin with intentional willingness to be aware of what's going on for yourself and love yourself. It, it's we most of us start some sort of health and exercise wellness journey so mm. that we can love ourselves on the other side. I mean, loving ourselves, yeah. respecting ourselves is what we're trying to get to. And, oh, if I complete this 30-day cleanse, then I will yeah. like myself better. Yeah. If I'm in a size 5 pants, then I will yeah. be worth affection. When I get to work yes. as a cabana boy, yeah. I will actually, um, exactly. I'll actually put the mirrors back up in my house. Exactly. So we we're striving for this end goal so that... We can love who we are. And this is the essence of what we said, that everything you need to be successful, you already have. Yeah. You are enough just as you are. You do not yeah. have to be something different in order to be valuable. Yeah. If you had no value, the universe doesn't work that way. Yeah. It doesn't. You, do, you exist because there is purpose and intention for your life, whether you recognize it right now or not. Exactly. I want to say to all the listeners right now, you are beautiful. You are capable. You are strong. Me and Aaron, we believe in you so much. Whether you believe it or not, whether you see the brightness that you have within you or not, mm. it's there. And, you know, the, the support that we talked about in that first ambassadors group that you put together for us. Yeah. There is a quote that says, surround yourself with thinkers and doers, but most importantly, surround yourself with people who see the greatness in you before you see it yourself. And that... Did you just... Did you, did you remember that off by heart or is it on your wall there? Um, no, it's not on my wall. And I... That's amazing. You remember it. <laughs> but It's the, a powerful quote. Yeah, it's it a, is. It really is. And, it sums and, it up. It, you know... If you surround yourself with, they say that you're the, you are an average of the five people you spend the most time with. Hmm. So if you spend your time with people who do not make you feel good, stop spending time with them. <laughs> surround yourself. I couldn't agree more. Right, surround yourself with people that feel amazing. Surround yourself with people that see you like the person that you want to be. Yeah. Nobody should have, I mean, life's too fucking short. Don't yeah. gut it out just to spend time with yeah anyways i digress you're not digressing and i think it's a <laughs> it's a time it's a good time to remind everybody that we're not up here telling you that this is what you need to do this is a journey we are still on and will continue to be on for the rest of our lives right. the whole purpose of setting up this podcast was as selfish as it was selfless in terms of i want to keep learning off all these amazing people in my life who i've met through weight loss rebels and through you know the wonder that is facebook for connecting us and allow us to have communities of like-minded people who are on a mission to their wellness mm. so i mean it's it's just an amazing thing that we can all learn and i think i put that um post up the other day about imagine we lived in a world where everybody built each other up mm. just imagine because I was in that very moment when I posted that I was imagining it mm. and I couldn't actually visualize it. That's really sad, you know? Well, it is. And I think and that won't happen until people stop comparing themselves to others, which we won't because it's how we're built. And mm. it won't happen until we stop being afraid. 
Yeah, but also we have to. There is that, and we do have to remember that we only control yes. who we interact with, and Correct. that goes back to what you just said there. If people aren't building you up. Right. You've got to minimize the interaction yes. you have with them. I know like people are going to be listening and saying, oh, but I work with my boss, she's an asshole, or my my colleague's a bitch and I need to pay my mortgage. Fine. But you, in your personal life, and as much as possible, limit the amount of interaction you have with people who drag you down. And the thing I love about whoever's listening to this podcast now and the people in our ambassador group and the people on my page, that is a community that we control. Right. And the people who are on your page, push right. for depth. They're in Larvik, push for depth. That is how we control it and we build up communities. And I think that's the future. You can only control what's in front of you, your own behavior, who you associate with. Right. You can't let your head go to the wider issues too much because you'd never get out of bed in the morning. Right. Exactly. And, you know, you I know? think that we, we are we are taught to tolerate things we're taught to not make waves. We're taught to keep our mouths quiet, to get along yeah. with everybody, don't hurt any feelings. And, mm. um, you know, this goes back to what we talked about, setting aside the expectations of other people. Mm. You have to be willing to prioritize yourself at least equally with the other people in your life. You yeah. have to be willing to say, my emotional well-being is as equally important as the other people that are around me. And yeah. we we don't. We don't do that innately. It's something that we have to consciously yeah. intend on doing. So um, I really, if it's okay with you, the question that you were going to ask about what makes it difficult to take action. To understand no change without action. <laughs> because a lot of what we're talking about at this point is theory. Um, mm. And, you know, one of the things that I do with my clients and um the people that I work with um, in leadership development is that we don't we don't talk any theory without applying action to it. Um, action is what makes change happen. So when you ask, you know, uh, change is really hard. How? Why is it so hard for me to put action to things? Uh, I I have two answers for that. One is what we discussed before that most of the time the action that we take. Uh, it cuts into other people's lives a little bit and it forces us to have some confrontation that we wouldn't want to have. Um, and to say no. Yeah, to say no forces us to say no. And, and that sometimes it makes us, we have to pick a side. And no matter what side you pick, there's something that you're going without and there's grief with that. There's, mm. there's grief in that. So we don't want to push ourselves to do that. Um, Secondarily, though, and I think that this is actually, there is there are biochemical, neurological differences between people that make it easier for some people to take action and some people, it makes it more difficult. Um, I am a very detail-oriented person balanced with the ability to create a big vision and for me, I can see the end goal. I can also see all of the steps required between where I am now and where I want to be. I can mm. see them like they're lit up and I know what next, what's the next step I need to take. If you and don't, do they change um, as you go sometimes? Um, you know, 
I think that by the time I actually make a decision, not very often. Okay. Because I'm a chronic overthinker, so I don't just see one <laughs> path. I see like 50,000 paths, and then okay. I have to make a conscious decision and say, that's the one I'm taking, and then I go with it. Now, I'm not saying yeah. that I'm not willing to adapt along the way yeah. if something happens out of my control. But most of the time, once I see the path and I'm really intent on it, it goes back to what we said, that once you decide that you're going to do it, and you know that you're capable, you just do it. There's not. That's where the magic happens. Right, exactly. exactly. Right? And the it. scariest point, the darkest point is before the dawn. The scariest point is just before you make the decision. Yes, yes, right? yes, yes, absolutely. And it, does, it, you, you, it doesn't get scarier than that. Nope. So once you've done it and crucially taken action, yes. I mean, there's the decision, then there's the action. Right. That action, am I, correct me if I'm wrong, that action can be so small. Oh, so small. I mean, effortless. And you know, one of the but things, it leads on to the next yes, action, absolutely. and then you build a solid foundation <clears throat> from that. Absolutely, and so and that's that's what my my um, my comment is about is that for me, I can see all of the steps that are required for me to get to where I'm going. Now, the problem yeah. is that for a lot of people, they see that last step and none of the ones before it. And so in their heads, they're thinking, there is no fucking way I'm going to be able to get from here to there. It's too much. I can't do it. And we hit this state of overwhelm, and then we freeze. And then we say to ourselves, someday. Someday I will get over there. Someday. The, and then people, because they feel too overwhelmed to take action, they wait for action. They sit and wait. They sit and wait for the stars to align to make this path light up before them so that they're just mm -hmm. going to know where they need to go. My suggestion is, and and um, my ex-husband, um, I was married for 10 years, and a couple years ago he attempted suicide. And this was after we were divorced. And since then, he and I have had a lot of conversations about what drove you to this point, um, and there was a lot of conversations, really frank conversations we've had about the way his brain works. Mm. And he said that <clears throat> he lived up to that point before, because after his suicide attempt, he had to go to a lot of therapy. Um, up to the point where he hit therapy, he lived in a constant state of overwhelm. Everything that he did was too much. He couldn't function and make even one small choice because he didn't see the small choice that he had to make. All he saw was the big choice at the end. So my suggestion, and this is an exercise that I do myself, is that when we, when we have this thing that we want for ourselves, whether it be a weight loss, um, in establishing an exercise routine, just feeling better, you have to, reverse engineer it and work backwards from the end goal until you get to the point where the stepping stone in front of you is close enough and stable enough that you feel safe enough to take a step and then you take one safe does not mean fearless it's still going to be scary if you're not used to taking action but you work all the way backwards so for example there's a woman that i work with and she she was, she really, really, really loved to run and she really wanted to run, um, but it was really difficult for her to 
the thought of going and running a 5k with thousands of people she's not really a yeah. um, extroverted person was really overwhelming and so the goal was you're going to sign up for the marathon that's or the sign up for your 5k that's all you have to do is sign up for it yeah so she signed up for it and then the next step was you were going to show up at the 5k stand on the starting line and then wait for the gun and at that point, if you decide that you want to leave and go home, you are totally welcome to do it. You will have done as much as you could. Now, mm. deep down inside, we know, like you said, once you decide that you're going to start something, that's the scariest part. So once you get past that tiny little hump in the beginning, once she got to the starting line and the gun went off, of course she's going to finish the thing. Of course she is. Because she just did the scariest part. Yeah, but, like, the only thing that matters is that she knows that. I mean, we know that. And everybody in our lives are constantly saying to us, I wish you could see yourself the way I see you. Right. Why do you think that way? And you're, we're like, because I think that way. I know I need to work on it. I'm sorry, right. Jesus. But right. I think that way. And I think in relation to that story, she didn't know that she was going to finish it. You had every faith in her because you are an excellent motivator and very knowledgeable in what you do. But the crucial point for her was she took the action and followed through. And right, she, exactly. Exactly. So I think I think that I want to do this again. Okay. Not as in do it all over again because I'm not happy with how it went. I yeah. have enjoyed this so much. I got to two of my questions, Aaron. <laughs> and I have one more that I'll ask you in a little bit, but I just want to let the uh, listeners know that me and Aaron will do this again in about four weeks' time, okay. and it will be. Dan Kyo Wellness Project Podcast with Erin, part two. And we have so much more to talk about. As I said to Stephen last week in relation to fitness and nutrition, we really just scratched the surface. And what I want you to tell the listeners now is how do they get access to your page? How do they get access to your blog? Do you have the addresses there that you could give a shout out to so that they can access the information uh, if they want to do any further reading or contact you yes actually i will spell my last name l-a-u-r-v as in victor i-c-k uh, my first name is aaron e-r-i-n and really the best way to find me is on my web page which is aaronlarvik.com and if you type my name into Facebook, you will find me. I think that there's only one other Aaron Larvik in the whole United States. Uh, <clears throat> so if you if you enter my name into Google, you'll find me. Um, I do I do um, so appreciate the time, and I think you're right. I think you and I could sit and have some really significant philosophical discussions. Um, well, we will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and this is only the beginning and, of our journey perfect. together on I, through this medium, you know. Lovely. No, that's perfect. You know, so if you if you do want to get in touch with Erin, um, she it's Erin it's Erin L e u r v i c k. Search for her on Facebook. Her page name is Push for Depth. Erin Larvik Push for Depth. Um, I highly recommend that you do. If you have any questions or comments on this podcast, you can. I would love it, guys. Really, really love it if you went on to Dan Kyo Wellness Project on Facebook and left a comment and let me know what it is that you are doing every day. Let me know. Sorry, let me know if this 
podcast had any impact on your own journey towards wellness and if email is your medium of choice you can get me at dankyowellnessproject at gmail.com if you prefer to do that i really want to say just quickly for the people who are listening um i know that it's really easy to look at uh your mentors and uh your guides i suppose my therapist you know the coach that i had we all have these people that we really look up to um in our journey, especially when we're going through this emotional turmoil. And we think to ourselves, that little voice in our head that says, no one's going to understand, no one's going to no one's gonna believe you if you tell them how horrible you are, no one will like you anymore. Um, that voice wins because it keeps you isolated. The second that you stop listening to it and reach out, you know, you realize that voice is full of shit. But I only bring this up because I want you to know that I've worked with a lot of people in my time. I cannot think of one single human being who is more authentic and genuinely concerned with the well-being of humans than Dan. And if you don't reach out to him, it's going to be because it was nervous for you and scary and weird for you, not because it was him. I mean, I imagine, Dan, that if you were... You're the kind of president who wouldn't get much work done because you'd be hanging out with all the people you're leading. <laughs> you would you would be just hanging out with the people. I mean, that's what you do. So Well, you know, I um as I said to you earlier on, I would have struggled with somebody saying that to me up until this year, but I from the bottom of my, of my heart, thank you so much okay. for um for saying that. And yeah, guys, you can reach out to me. I'm I'm really open to that, and would be more than open to uh, corresponding with everybody. But Aaron, um, that that has left me a bit emotional, actually. <laughs> <laughs> this is supposed to be a fun time. It We're is not supposed fun. to be getting all emotional. It's, real. it's fun. But yeah, I just want to say, Aaron, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Um, we are going to do this again in three to four weeks, if Perfect. that's okay with you. Sounds great. Um. And to everybody who's listening, the music was provided by the wonderful Tara Gallagher. She is an unbelievable beatboxer and harmonica player from from Dublin, Ireland. So if you have any feedback for the beat that she seriously dropped on this episode, <laughs> if you thought it was good the last time, check that shit out today. She's going off the scale. Um, she would love to get your feedback as well. Um, so yeah, thanks, Erin. This was amazing. Thank really. you. Take care. All right, you too.